chapter 18, Revelation, we need to pray and ask the Lord to bless our time together. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you are our good shepherd. I just think about my own life and what a disaster I had made of it on my own. And Lord, thank you for interceding and for working in my heart. So, so good, Lord, you are. And how you continue to do that in our lives, Lord. And so this morning, would you work in our hearts? Thank you for how you love us, for how you cherish us, for how you nourish us. We are in desperate need of your nourishment. Lord, you tell us man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So may we hear your voice clearly. So many voices out there, Lord, so many voices uh, wanting our attention, our affection, wanting our lives, as we're going to read this morning. But we need to hear your voice. You tell us your sheep, hear your voice, and they follow you. So speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Minister to us, meet us right where we're at. Change us, transform us by the power of your spirit for your glory, we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. All right, so we left off. Um, We finished chapter 17. Let me just kind of catch us up to speed, the context of where where we are at. It's so important to understand this um, if you're joining us for the first time. There is a period um, that's going to happen in world history. It is in the future. It is going to be a uh, time period of seven years known as the tribulation period that's going to happen on planet Earth. God will be pouring out his wrath on a Christ-rejecting world. We see that in the book of Revelation in chapter 6 all the way through chapter 19. We also notice something else. There is um, something that is absent during this time period, or rather some ones that are absent during this time period. In chapter 6 through 19, there's no mention of the church, the bride of Christ on earth during that time period. Why? Because Jesus is coming for us right now, correct, to take us out of here, to go to the place that he's preparing for us right now in the Father's house before his wrath is poured out upon planet earth. There's three main reasons, we've talked about this, three main reasons for the tribulation. Number one, to remove wickedness and wicked ones. God is going to fumigate planet Earth in order to bring the beauty of his kingdom to Earth. Second, there's going to be an amazing awakening. There's going to be many people that get saved during this time period. It will take tribulation. It will take pressure. It will take compression to bring them to that place of surrender to Jesus Christ Third reason, if you're taking notes, if you're a note taker, the third is God is dealing with the nation of Israel. God is not through with the Jew. God has purposes, plans, promises attached to the Jewish people. And so they will be, they're going to be refined, the Bible says, as through fire. And at the end of the tribulation, those Jews that are that have survived will cry out for Jesus Christ, recognizing that he is the promised Messiah, that they missed him in his first coming as a suffering servant, and they will cry out for Jesus to come. And guess what? He will come. We'll see that next week in chapter 19, in the second coming of Jesus Christ. But now we are in the end of the tribulation. We've, we've finished up the judgments, and now we're kind of getting like a, almost like a parenthetical break or a pause to get some information concerning the judgment, God's righteous and thorough judgment that will happen to Babylon. And so Babylon is not only a literal city. We saw last week that it's also a religious system, a false religious system that has tried to capture the hearts of men from the beginning of time to draw them away from a true uh, relationship with the living God. And so we see as we get closer and closer to the end times, this false religious system otherwise known as Babylon, will ramp up. It will get uh, worse and worse, deceiving many. But also, Babylon is not just a, a, a literal city or a place. It's not only a false religious system. It's also an economic system as well. And we're going to see that this morning, a commercial system also that seeks to influence men and draw them away 
from Jesus Christ. In other words, spiritual and commercial Babylon exist. The reason they exist, listen, is to lead people away from Jesus into the worship of self and material things, which is idolatry. And so we're going to talk about that as we move move forward this morning. And Babylon is personified as a woman, as a harlot, or a prostitute, and she's synonymous um, and symbolic of the world system that exists all around us right now that we are warned about in the scriptures. What do you mean by that, Pastor? As Christians, we have three enemies, don't we? As Christians, we have... Pastor, yeah, my boss, you know, he's a real... And this guy down the street is really ticking me off lately. That's not what we're talking about here. We have... We have three enemies as Christians, don't we? The world, which we'll talk about in a minute. The flesh and the the devil. Maybe this is like an awakening for some of us this morning. This is good. We have three enemies as Christians. The devil, number one, who what? Who prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Peter said, resist him steadfast in the faith. We see Jesus dealt with the temptations of the devil with the word of God hidden in his heart, the right word for that temptation. Correct? Are you with me? So the devil is one enemy we face. Number two is our own flesh. So think about this with me. When we gave our lives to Jesus, a miracle of miracles happened. Correct? God Almighty in the person of the Holy Spirit came and took residence in our hearts. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. There's a new life that's birthed within each one of us, a life that needs to to grow, to to be exercised. And so we feed that new man, right? We give the new man opportunities to grow, but there's still the flesh that's still there, correct? The old man, right? The flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. There's still a battle that goes on, isn't there? That was about 50% of the room. When you guys get cut off in traffic, what do you say? Praise the Lord. You give him the finger. Hallelujah. Bless you. Is that your first response? It's usually fleshly, isn't it? That's how we know there's still... Some of you are laughing. You know exactly what I'm talking about. So it's not a personal illustration. That's for you. (laughs) But that's how we know that there's there's a battle going on. So how do I deal with my flesh? Well, Jesus told us, didn't he? He said, deny yourself, take up your cross monthly, daily, daily, and follow me. And so denial of self, saying no to my selfishness, that self-absorbed, self-glorifying, self-protecting life. I say, drop dead, old man. And I also take up my cross. There's there's a, a death that has to happen every day. I see myself as crucified to those old desires, those old things, and say, and say, Lord, I need your help. And what begins to happen when we take up our cross and say no and, and, and put the old man to death? We experience resurrection life. The best part about it is following Jesus. We get to experience his power, to walk in his ways, and it's glorious. And you see that his word works. Listen, it is in Christ alone we have victory in these three areas. The third is the world. John told us in 1 John chapter 2, our third enemy is the world. John said, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, this, we're talking about this worldly system, this anti-God, anti-Christ, worldly system. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, he defines it, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Did you guys catch that? So we're going to talk about the world, this world system this morning, again, symbolized and synonymous with Babylon. So let's check it out. Verse 1, chapter 18. Let's read about the judgment, God's thorough and righteous judgment that happens to Babylon. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated. 
with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird, for all the nations, notice that, this is a global thing happening, all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. So we find in these verses, what do we find in these verses? An angelic announcement, right? So all of a sudden, what does John see? He sees this angel, a strong, glorious angel, and he comes cruising down from heaven and he lights the place up. The glory of heaven is now shining on earth and he proclaims, this guy's got some strong vocal cords, he proclaims for everyone to hear Babylon's future. This anti-God, anti-Christ system, world system, is what? Is fallen, it's doomed. And then in verse 2, this is so interesting to me, what else he does here? He proclaims what is behind Babylon's beautiful facade. If you were here last week, remember Babylon? She's all dressed, dressed up nice. She's got the, the gold and the pearls. And she externally, she looks beautiful. But what's behind the facade is what? A, look at the end of verse 2. A mass infestation of demons. That's pretty gross, isn't it? You guys ever see like a mass infestation of cockroaches? Tanya did the other night. Near our house, not in our house. Hallelujah. <laughs> but she was telling me about these critter. And I, anybody like cockroaches? You guys anybody like those things? Aren't they nasty? They're so just gross. And you, can't, like you try to kill them and they, and they run or they fly. They're like triathletes. They'll swim, right? <laughs> but a mass infestation of cockroaches is nasty. This is a mass infestation of demons. The anti-God system is totally demonic in nature. In other words, the devil is behind all of this. And then in verse 3, notice this. She has a global impact. Her deception, which has been going on for 6,000 years, notice it says there with me in verse 3, the kings of the earth, so world rulers, have been involved with her. And not only that, merchants or businessmen have also become rich through this worldly system. And by the way, when we read fornication, fornication is is sexual relations outside of the marriage bed as prescribed by God in his word. Spiritual fornication, God uh, God views idolatry as spiritual fornication. Does that make sense, you guys? God views idolatry, idolatry, to make things of utmost importance in your life. Created things. You have no time for God. You create a life that you think will fulfill you by, by chasing after those things and living for those things and, and spending your, your time, your talents and treasures on those things. And so God looks at that and he calls it spiritual fornication. And so what Babylon is doing is leading men, uh, women, all these people into spiritual fornication, including businessmen also. And I want to make a point about that. Um, Business is a necessary part of life, correct? It's correct. Isn't business a necessary part of life to, to make a living, to eat, to survive, right? Paul said to the Thessalonians, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't, he doesn't eat, right? Listen, the Bible values hard work and investing. And it condemned, the Bible condemns laziness. All you got to do is read through Proverbs. The, pro, the problem is, though, listen, here's the problem. The problem is what happens is when your business is now your life. And that's what you live for. Your business, making money. When business is no longer um, a way to just provide for life, but your business is your life, listen, you may be, you may be connected with Babylon this morning. It's your, if it's your reason to live, your business, there's a warning in the next verse. Look what it's, let's read. Let's read ahead. Check it out. Because God's not down on business. 
But become, when business becomes our life, it's a problem. Verse 4, and he says, John says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her. Wh- who's her, by the way? Babylon, yeah. Come out of her. Come out of this worldly system, this economic system, this anti-God, anti-Christ. Come out of her. Who? My people. Who, who is his people? Us, believers. Come out of her, my people, lest you what? This is heavy. Lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. So here's this heavenly call, right? Huge call. Before judgment happens, God's bringing judgment. Before judgment happens, God calls believers to what? To be separate from it. And so this is a final plea during the tribulation, but this is a plea this morning too for us because some of us this morning, you may have found yourself in Babylon. You've flirted with her and now you're involved with her in a place you shouldn't be as a believer. Listen, this morning it's okay because you come to the right place. God wants to bring you out and set you free and give you life. Or else what happens? Look what it says. Lest you what? You will be identified with her sins. Verse 4. And you will be the recipient of judgment also. That's pretty heavy, man. Isn't that heavy? Her in, listen, Babylon influences you and I every day. That This world system. In fact, John said that the, the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. So this world system, this anti-God, anti-Christ world system, this flow of the world is, is under the sway of the wicked one, under the devil. It's in our face every day. And we're swimming against the current, aren't we? Any dead fish could go downstream. And as Christians, we're swimming against the current. This is in our face. But some of us have, have said, you know what, I'm just going to get into the current. I'm going to go with the flow, man. And the Lord's saying, don't get caught up in this system. Don't set your heart on this system. It's going to be judged, and you don't want to be around when judgment comes upon it. This is is so important. This is a timeless biblical principle this morning. It is? It sure is. Are you sure, Pastor? It is? It is. You guys remember a dude named Lot? You guys remember Lot? Abraham's nephew? Remember they came in the promised land? Abraham took his nephew with him. Lot tagged along, right? And God blessed both of them. They were wealthy, rich men. Listen, to to be wealthy, it's okay to be wealthy. If God blesses you with wealth, hallelujah. But our possessions are not to possess us. And so there they are. Their herds are growing. They are just, they're they're booming business-wise, economically. And all of a sudden, their herdsmen start to butt heads. There's some friction. And it's so beautiful because Abraham just comes out of a time with the Lord, praying, spending time with the Lord, worshiping him. And you know what he says to Lot? This is loose paraphrase. Dude, the whole land is before us. You take what you want. What? The call wasn't on your life, dude. The call was on Abraham's life to go to the promised land. You're just a tag-along. But you know what Abraham did? He was trusting the sovereignty of God. Because listen, he's other-centered, isn't he? He came out of his time. If you don't come out of your time with the Lord more other-centered, you come out of your time with the Lord more selfish, guess what? You haven't spent time with the Lord. He says, the land's bef- land, it's all yours, whatever you want, and I'll take whatever's left over. Right? And what did Lot do? You remember what Lot did? He was scoping out the land, right? He's like, oh, that, that's, I want the Valley of Jordan. So beautiful. He looks everywhere but doesn't look up to pray. Because he's a man that's led by the lust of the eyes. What looks good, that's what I'm going after. The lust of the flesh. He doesn't process it with the Lord. And what happens? He ends up outside, and it's an incremental thing that happened in his life. 
It happened, he drifted incrementally. He was first outside of Sodom. He pitched his tent, right, out in the plain. And then what happened? Next time you see him, he's a little bit closer. He's right outside of Sodom. Next time he's in Sodom. And then he's, the, he's a ruler. He's in the gate. He's a leader in Sodom. Well, what's the problem with that, Pastor? The problem with that is, it's not where you live, it's why you're living there. If you, if you read that story carefully, he wasn't making an influence and impact on Sodom. Sodom had totally influenced and impacted his life. He became more of a child of Sodom than a child of God. And what's so amazing to me is, God in the New Testament, Jesus in the New Testament, his word says, Lot was a righteous man. Lot's a righteous dude. Remember what happened? The angels came and said, judgment's coming. You guys remember that? The dude offered his daughters, by the way, to the men of Sodom. Talk about Sodom influencing him. And you remember what happened? He had to be, him and his wife and his daughters had to be drug out of Sodom. They didn't, they didn't hear, oh, judgment's coming, we need to flee. They needed to be taken by the hand and taken out of Sodom. And the, 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 the son-in-laws, Lot's trying to, to share with them, listen, judgment's coming, and they thought it was a b- bunch of jokes. Oh, whatever, dude. That's important. Because we have a holy message, you guys, and it's to be backed up with a holy life. The dude had, was far from a life that was separate for the Lord. When he was talking, there was, no, there was no power. There was no nothing hitting people's hearts. Because why? Because he was acting like everybody else in Sodom. He looked just like the world. We are to be in the world, but not... Right? Jesus gave us the example. Contact without contamination. Are you with me? Did you guys catch that? It's contact with unbelievers without contamination. We need to come in contact with unbelievers to reach out to them, to, 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 to rescue them by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We, we need to get in contact with people. As Christians, we don't go live on a farm somewhere and isolate ourselves, do we? Who, how, how are we going to be salt and light to a lost and dying world? But you remember what happened with Lot? So... so the angels pull him out. Judgment falls. And remember what Lot's wife did? She turns around and it says, it says she looked back. But if you look it up in the Hebrew, she was longing. Her heart was still there. Her life was still in Sodom and she turned into a pillar of salt. That's not an accident. In fact, Jesus would remind us later in the Gospels, and it's the only time we're ever told to remember someone else's wife. He said, remember Lot's wife. And the context is, in light of the Lord's return for us, to not be in Babylon, to not be plugged into this world system, but to abide in Jesus Christ. Amen. There's this call. Listen, it says it in 2 Corinthians. If you're taking notes, 2 Corinthians 6. Do I have time to read this? I do. And you guys know these verses. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? The uniting of life, connecting of life there. And he goes on to say later in verse 16, For you are the temple of the living God. Did you catch that? You're the temple of the living God. Not only individually, but we are corporately. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Isn't that beautiful? Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Lord walking amongst us this morning right here. Isn't that, does that excite anybody? I hope it does. Jesus being at the center of the church, 
like we learned earlier in Revelation. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. That's a beautiful passage, isn't it? Hallelujah. Man, come out from among them. Don't touch what's unclean. Come. It's not just separate yourself from something, but separate yourself unto. Unto the Lord in a special way. Lord, here's my life. It's a blank check for you. You've purchased me at a price. I'm yours. Did we just sing that? I'm yours? All I, did we mean it with our lips in our lives? All I am is yours. Or is it just something we say? Are you all his? Are you all in? That's the challenge this morning as we read this chapter. Am I all in for the Lord? What is my life about? What am I living for? And so look at verse 5. For her sins, judgment's coming. Why? For her sins have reached to heaven. They've piled to the heavens. And God has remembered her iniquities. In other words, God's calling her to give an account Iniquities is twistedness. And so render to her just as she rendered to you and repay her double according to her works in the cup which she has mixed, mixed double for her. Babylon will receive a double in the measure that she, and here's the sins, here's her sins. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same manner give her torment and sorrow For she says in her heart, I sit as queen and am no widow and will not see sorrow. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire. Why? For strong is the Lord God who judges her. So look at verse 7 with me. What are her sins? What are the sins of Babylon? Number one, self-glorification. Right? Verse 7. She glorified herself. Self-indulgence is the next sin of Babylon. She lived luxuriously also. And she's all about the self. Notice what she says in her heart. I sit as queen. I'm in charge. I rule. I'm untouchable. Notice what it says. I'm no widow. I will not see sorrow. Listen, Babylon is not too big to fall. You know what? I, I'm, I'm learning too. I had to learn the hard way. Neither am I. All of us can fall, you guys. Every single one of us. Pride goes before destruction. And a haughty spirit before a fall. Peter gives us a great example of this. Boasting in the self, in our own strength, in our own smarts. And so... All of a sudden, what happens? Verse 8, judgment comes. Notice it says, in one day, boom. She thought she was so strong, so powerful, so great. All of her influence, all of her wealth, all of her popularity. But there's someone stronger, isn't there? I remember growing up, my dad used to, I I thought I was a tough guy growing up. Picking fights, starting fights, meet me at the bike racks, I'll see you out there. And my dad would always say, "Dude, dude, there's someone out there that's always tougher than you are. And you're going to find you're going to find out, Buckaroo. No way, dude. What do you know? You know, I'm 15. I don't know way more than you. <laughs> and what happened? I got pummeled plenty of times, enough times to okay, dad, you're absolutely right, man. But she thinks she's so tough, she's so bad, she's so awesome, and notice in one day the Lord in his strength Brings the whole thing down just like that. And it's, it, 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 I think it's noteworthy that it says in verse 5, right at the end, God has remembered her iniquities. It was not like God forgot. God is calling her to give an account. Listen, every one of us will give an account. Every single one of us here, you will give an account. That should wake us up, man. That should sober us up. Guys, remember when Jesus told that parable 
He said, beware of covetousness. A man's life does not consist of his, his possessions. And he went on to tell a parable about a man that was blessed beyond belief with wealth and stuff and material. Remember what he said? This is a banner year, man. Super crop. Man, I'm rocking. I need to now build bigger barns, tear down the one, big, bigger and badder barns. Right? He spoke to himself. And then what's going to happen? I can just kick back, eat, drink, and be merry. And what did God say? He called him a fool. This very night, your soul will be required of you. For so is the one, the fool, who is not rich toward God, but lives for himself. And for us, we're not going to be judged for our sins. Anybody happy about that? Hallelujah. <laughs> As believers, our sins were once piled high, reaching to the heaven, like it says about hers. But the blood of Jesus Christ has what? Washed them away without a trace. This would probably be a good time for like either an amen or a hallelujah or a praise the Lord. Something. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. We've been given a fresh start. New life, purpose, and meaning. You've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of His Son. Kingdom of light. We've been bought at a price. We've been redeemed, set free. We just sang about it. Been set free from the power of sin, the penalty of sin. Listen, and in light of that, our lives are to be spent for Him. Are you with me this morning Amen. still? Amen. What are you spending your life on right now? I'm going to meddle. Listen, I'm going to meddle this morning because God's Word meddled with me. The Lord meddled with my heart. What are you spending your time on? Your talents on? What are you spending your treasure on? What are you spending your life on this morning? Just to let that just kind of settle on your heart. Let it wash over you. Remember, remember the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3? He begins to talk about, um, he begins a sanctified boasting, if you will. He invites the Philippians to come look at his trophy case that he had when he was a religious man. You guys remember that? He said, if, I might, if anybody has confidence in the flesh, it's me, more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But, check this out, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. In other words, these things were once in the gain column. All of these religious trophies, all of these, all of these educational successes, all of these things, and now he says the only thing in the gain column is Jesus Christ. In fact, he says, yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. He's been walking with, with Jesus for decades and he's saying this, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. All my stuff's gone. All, all the stuff that I once trusted, valued, held dear, it's all gone. And I count them as rubbish. Why? That I may gain Christ. That is so beautiful. By the, word, by the way, that word rubbish, that's a very kind uh, translation. You know what it is literally? It's manure. He says, all those things I once invested in, lived for, set my sights on, I count it out now as manure in comparison to knowing Jesus. Listen, we can be so busy piling up manure. Some of us maybe are. You're piling up manure. But, but here's the cool thing. Guess what? Guess what? You can turn that manure into gold. I can? You sure can. <laughs> Start using those things 
for the glory of God, for the furtherance of his kingdom, the time that you have. You know, God upholds your next breath. The reason you're still sucking air, I'm still sucking air, is because of the Lord. Those talents you got, those gifts you got, God gave those to you. Those treasures you got, that bank account, the stuff you got, man, that's all given to you by the Lord. And this is not like a, something to make us feel guilty this morning. God has given us richly all things to enjoy. But again, those things, those possessions are not to possess me. Listen, it is not about ownership. It's about stewardship. Those things that he's richly given us to enjoy, you know who they belong to? They belong to the Lord. They're his. We need to have a loose grip on those things because they could be gone just like that in one day, in one hour, boom, just like that. And what are you left with? And what are you left with? It better be Jesus. It needs to be him. And so let's keep rolling. Verse 9. Look at the response of those who are partakers of her sins. And will be recipients of that judgment according to verse 4. The kings of the earth, who would that be? Rulers, powerful leaders of the world. Kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her. They've been partying with her, connected to her. Will weep and lament for her. They're going to be bawling, crying when they see the smoke of her burning, right? She's going to be utterly burned with fire and all that's going to be left is smoke coming up, standing at a distance. Why? For fear of her torment. They're afraid, saying, alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. In one hour judgment came, boom, just like that. And the merchants of the earth will weep who are the merchants, by the way? Businessmen, right? Merchant, the businessmen, the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her. Why? For no one buys their merchandise anymore. You know what that means? They're out of business. They're out of business. Listen, economic success is not bad. Correct? But that's what they're living for. And they're bummed because they're out of business. Here's the merchandise they were involved in. This massive industrial system making millions with the best things the world has to offer. Look what it says. Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple, silk and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron, and marble. So we're taking floor by floor of all these amazing things, department store, if you will, and Home Depot, and cosmetics, and cinnamon, and incense, fragrant oil, and frankincense, wine, and oil, fine flour and wheat, the food department, food court, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots. We've moved to the automotive. But then look at this. This is heavy. In bodies and souls of men. You guys catch that? You can kind of be just reading through that and all of a sudden, boom. If God gets pushed aside... What do people live for? What do they value? These are the things that men value. They valued fancy stuff. What they valued took control of their lives. They failed, listen, they failed to value God or people that are made in the image and likeness of Almighty God. And when business drives your life, Material success is all that matters to you. People become expendable. They just become merchandise. They become something that you use. I heard there's probably close to 28 or 29 million people enslaved today around the world. I get some of our attention. Human trafficking. And it's just going to keep ramping up as we get closer and closer to the end times. In fact, there was a ring uncovered in Nigeria the last couple of days. I don't know if you guys have read the news of men and boys that were kept in bondage. 
and used and abused. Nothing new under the sun. And God predicts that it's going to continue to happen. And there will be an end to it. And there will be a price to pay when you use people. They're ripping off people eternally, making merchandise of men's souls. Heavy. The fruit that your soul longed for. Look at verse 14. The fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you. And all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you. And you shall find them no more at all. Notice that the things that you, that you are craving, the things you're longing for. When my girls were little, I used to blow them bubbles. Anybody blow bubbles ever? And it's just, they start to fly, right? And what are, they, what are the kids doing when they're little? Right? And what happens? Gone. And it's so beautiful. And it looks so special. And it's kind of majestic as it floats through the sky. And oh, I'm going to get this bubble. And it's going to be all mine. This bubble. And boom, it pops. That's the, same, that's, the, that's the same thing we're talking about here. When we chase after the things of this world, the things that look beautiful. And we live for those things. And you find out in the final assessment that those things do not bring satisfaction. They just create a thirst for more and more and more. And now I'm hooked. Because why? We have been created for a relationship with the Lord. And only He can satisfy the longing in our souls and in our hearts. Because our souls are eternal. And we're made for Him to walk with Him. To have a relationship with Him. That is of lasting value. Your soul is eternal. Jesus said, what does, it gain the, the, what does it gain a man if he, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Forfeits his soul. You've got nothing. And Jesus said to the woman, at the, the Samaritan woman at the well, drink of this water, you'll thirst again. But what I give you will satisfy you. What Jesus offers satisfies. Verse 15, look at, as we end the chapter here, the merchants, the businessmen, The merchants of these things who became rich by her will stand at a distance. Why? For fear of her torment, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. She looks so beautiful. No. (laughs) For in one hour such great riches came to nothing. Every shipmaster... All who travel by ship, sailors, so those involved in the shipping department, and as many as trade on the sea, stood at a distance. And what did they say? And they cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What is like this great city? They threw dust on their heads at the sign of mourning and cried out, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city, in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth, for in one hour she is made desolate. It says in Proverbs 23, 5, riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle. Has anybody found that true in their own life? You get a paycheck and it's like, (laughs) where'd it go? It grew wings and flew away like an eagle. (laughs) But that's what happens here. They put their trust, their value on all these things. Listen, that stuff, those things are not worthy of your faith. Don't make that your God, your security in your life. The only security we have is Jesus Christ. Verse 20. Look at the contrast here. The, the contrast of people on earth living for these things. And now look at in heaven. This is great. Verse 20. Rejoice over her, O heaven. In other words, party time, heaven. And you apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. Rejoice over this world system getting wiped out. Not the people that get wiped out, but the world system. Notice the two different responses. The response of those who spend their lives for the Lord, investing eternally, there's going to be rejoicing. For those who have spent their lives investing in the world system and the things of this world, you know what's the final assessment? They'll be weeping and wailing. 
Don't, can I encourage you guys this morning? And I'm begging you, I love you as your friend, your pastor. Don't let material things keep you from fulfilling God's purpose in your life. Jesus said, do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. Jesus said, don't store up your treasures here on earth. Store up your treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I, I can't tell you what to do with your, what to buy, what not to buy. You need to be led by the Spirit. What to do with your time, what to do with your talents. You need to be led by the Spirit. But listen, we will give an account one day. And again, as someone who cares about you, we need to make a spiritual investment with our lives. Our lives have been purchased and set free. Verse 21, as we finish all the way down. Then a mighty angel. What kind of angel? Mighty angel. This is not any pipsqueak angel. Because look what he does. He took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found any more. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, and trumpeteers shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsman of any craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. And the voice of the bridegroom and, the, and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants, your businessmen, were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery, all the nations were deceived and in her was found the blood of prophets and saints and of all who were slain on the earth. Wow. So look at the deal with this millstone. Didn't Jesus speak about a millstone? You guys remember that? Matthew 18. Remember Jesus gets all gangster, right? You cause a little one to stumble. <laughs> It would be better if you had a millstone wrapped around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. The Lord, does, the Lord does not want anybody kept from coming to Him. He wants everyone to come to Him. But this is a system, this is a group of people that are trying to keep people from coming to Jesus. It's hijacking, it's kidnapping, it's theft. And God doesn't tolerate it. You think God will allow that indefinitely? No way. He will deal with it. God is not happy when his kids get hijacked. And everything will come. Listen, I was this week reading this, this last two verses. Like, this is heavy. It's a good heavy, but it's heavy. And I think it's a wake-up call for some of us this morning. Because everything will come to a complete halt in Babylon. All that's left, look what it says, all that's left is silence, darkness, and gloom. She's beautiful, right? Wow, they were screaming. She's, she's got, she was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet with gold and precious stones. All the glitz, all the glamour, all the power, all the influence, all the popularity, all the fame, all the coolness. All the stars, all the rich and famous, all of that, it all comes crashing down. It all ends. It will all come to an end. And here's the heavy thing. If you are living for money, for fame, for popularity, for power, if you're living for your business, if you're living for your possessions, guess what? Look at the last two words of verse 23. You are, or you were, you're deceived. You're deceived. It was all a sham. You've been played. Babylon played you. You've been had, man. 
You've been deceived by Babylon. That's why the Lord is saying, come out right now, my people. Come out of her. Get away. You're being self-deceived. You're living for these things. And it all ends in wipeout. It's all a sham. I mean, Jesus doesn't say store up your treasures just for, for, for the fun of it. Because he knows where our heart will be to set our mind on things above. To seek the things that are above. Where we're headed. What's interesting is that last verse. Because I know, I guarantee there'll be some people listening somewhere, not in this church, on the radio or somewhere. That the voice of truth will try to be silenced in your life. Whether it's your own ears tuning it out or someone else distracting you. Jesus said, actually, the devil comes in and snatches the word of God right out of some people's hearts. Because look what Babylon does. She tried to silence the voice of truth, God's word. What did she do? She killed the prophets and the saints. Those people living for, providing a testimony, a witness of Jesus, his word. And she tried to silence them. But who got the last word? Who gets the last word? God does, doesn't he? His word has the final say. It's awesome. But something else, too. She doesn't give life, she takes life. She's a murderer. And the one behind this all is the devil. Jesus said, he comes to do what? To steal, kill, and to destroy. And where Babylon wants to take you and where Jesus wants to take you are polar opposites. Totally two different directions. And so this morning, what is your life all about? You've been listening? What, what, what's the point of your life right now? What are you living for? What is the trajectory of your life? What path are you on? Jesus said, if I'm living a self-consumed, self-absorbed life, walking in darkness, I'm heading on the broad path that leads where? To destruction, to hell. And he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's not an accident you're listening. He's calling you right now, out of darkness. Make a change today. It's not fix yourself. It's repent and place your trust in Jesus Christ. And watch what he'll do in your heart and in your life. Why am I saying this? Because, listen, the judgment of God is permanent. There are no do-overs. There are no second chances. It is eternal. And listen, you can get every listen, you can get everything else right and get this wrong. And if you get this wrong, you're wrong for all eternity. You need to get it right. It's making Jesus your Lord and Savior, committing your life to him. Maybe you're a child of God this morning, you're born again. You've been you've been chilling out in Babylon. Time to come out. Time to come out this morning to leave, maybe even flirting with Babylon. I think the warning is a pretty heavy warning. You think you should keep flirting with Babylon? You think you should keep flirting with Babylon? (laughs) No. Not at all. If that's the case, you need to make Jesus number one again because he's not number one. You, need, you and I need to make his word the most important influence in our life. If you're in Babylon right now or flirting with Babylon, your life that was once fruitful is not fruitful. It is because Jesus said the word of God is getting choked out by the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Your life that was once invested in the cares of the world to come and investing what God has given you in his kingdom. And it's so simple. It's so simple. You make Jesus number one again. You make his word the most important influence in your life. And you begin to do what he says and watch. Again, your life will thrive and abound under his care. Amen? In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much for your word this morning and the heaviness, the weight. We so need it, Lord. I pray, Lord, um, that this morning we would take away the things that have come from your heart.
any chaff would be burned up, blown away. And as we're in an attitude of prayer this morning, as, as we've considered God's Word, this morning you're a believer, you're born again, you're trusting in Jesus Christ, and you have found yourself in Babylon. And you realize that the Lord's calling you out. This morning you need prayer. I want to pray with you. I'm going to ask you, really, just simply raise up your hand. And I'm going to pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I see your hand. God bless you, sister. God bless you. God bless you, sister. God bless you, brother. God bless you, brother. Anyone else this morning? God bless you, sister. God bless you, sister. I see your hands. God bless you, sister. God bless you, sister. I see your hand. So sweet. God bless you. Anyone else this morning? God bless you. I see your hands. Anyone else this morning? You realize you're just in a place you shouldn't be and, and the Lord's calling you out. It's okay. This, this is not like voodoo or some other junk. This is Jesus loves you. He's calling you out. And you need prayer this morning. I want to pray with you. We're called to pray for one another. The Bible says as we confess our sins to one another, our trespasses and pray for one another, that God brings healing into our lives. This is an area that needs to be healed for some of us this morning. Is there anyone else before I pray? Just lift up your hand. You're, you're saying, yeah, Mike, that's me. God bless you. I see your hand. Anyone else? God bless you. I see your hand, brother. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Anyone else this morning? Don't let pride hold you back. That's you. Don't let anything hold you back. God wants to work in your life. Anyone else? I want to pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, sister. So sweet. God bless you, sister. So great. We need a fresh work of God's Spirit in our hearts, our lives. Babylon's pulling you away from where you need to be, and you're drifting. Anyone else this morning? Anyone else? I'm going to pray. God bless you. Anyone else? So sweet. Praise the Lord. I pray for you guys, those that have raised your hands. Lord sees our hearts. So special. God wants to do a work. Praise the Lord. Lord, I thank you so much for my precious brothers and sisters that have lifted up their hands and, and recognized, Lord, their, their need to, to repent, uh, their need to make an adjustment this morning. And God, I pray you'd meet them right there in their brokenness, their humility, Lord. For you say that you resist the proud but give grace to the humble. I pray you lavish them with your grace. That they would find that your grace is sufficient. Your strength is made perfect in their weakness. And we are weak, Lord. We're so tempted and, and, and have such a tendency to, to drift towards the world. And I pray that there would be no more, Lord. That there would be no more going back to Babylon. That's it today. That they would live full on for you with the time that you have left for each one of them. That they would redeem the time, redeem the time for the days are evil, Lord. As we see your imminent return coming for us. We don't want to be like Lot, saved men with wasted lives, saved women with wasted lives. God, that you would use our lives. And the giftings and callings that you've given us would be used for your glory and for the furtherance of your kingdom. So stir those up in my brothers and sisters, Lord. Stir them up today to seek your face, to seek you, to make you number one. Those areas that they have taken over in their lives that were once surrendered, they'd be given back to you fully. And that they'd experience just your love, your grace, your power, your goodness in a special way. Thank you, Lord, that you are near to all those who call upon you, who call upon you in truth. And so I pray, Lord, again, you do a special work this day that my brothers and sisters would leave here changed, radically changed. 
And as we finish, as we are still in an attitude of prayer, maybe you've come today and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And Lord, you know he's speaking to your heart this morning. You're on that broad path that leads to destruction. Jesus is calling you to repent and place your trust in him. The one who gave his life for you on the cross. He suffered, died, and was buried, and rose again on the third day. And he's calling you right now. Will you respond? Will you raise up your hand? Can I pray with you this morning? Is that you? Anyone at all here this morning? You're saying, yeah, pastor, that's me. I recognize I need Jesus desperately. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? Father, thank you again for this awesome family you've gathered together for such a time as this. Thank you that goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. Lead us, Lord, in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And it's in your precious and holy name, Lord Jesus, that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.